morning, everyone. It is the Old School, a podcast about contemporary education issues and the solutions therein. Uh, it is Dr. Stephen Bourgeois and Ross Miller coming at you very early on a Sunday morning. Whose idea was this anyway? I think you canceled on me. Or maybe I canceled on you. I don't remember now. It's been a, it's been a day. We, we have to, we have to stop uh, hurting each other this way. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been up for you know, 20 minutes, so. But I look yeah. uh, kind of like I've showered and everything. You, you, your hair looks like you're just wake, getting out of bed like minutes ago. Uh, let's let's not produce the television of the mind. Let's uh, let's just go ahead and keep <laughs> uh, keep ourselves and our looks as innocuous and as unknown as possible. Perhaps it's probably for the best. <laughs> Well, uh, where are we headed today with this? Um, I have good feelings about this this episode. Well, what we're dealing with today is lesson plans. Now, this is certainly in-house, and I don't know to what degree um, uh, a parent might find a connection here. Um, certainly, they'll find a connection in the sense that, you know, the, 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 the product of lesson plan, writing and building and what have you, directly affects how a teacher does their business with the students, but uh, that is the topic for today. So the idea of lesson plans is a controversial one. And I'm kind of wondering as a former administrator, where do you fall on say mandatory lesson plan writing? It's, it's really um, interesting because you know, my, my tendency is to to not to encourage, um, it's kind of like mask wearing in Texas. Um, they're not required, <laughs> but we encourage you to wear them. And I, you know, I don't like the idea of requiring them. Uh, I have collected them and they're submitted weekly. Um, and looking at them from the, you know, assistant principal perspective, uh, I never looked at them. I mean, the, the, the fact that they submitted and, and it was checked off, but, um, what what exactly is a principal or someone going to do? Look at them and say, "Well, your third activity today is a little bit off. Have you thought about connecting that?" Or, um, so it's it's kind of an exercise of something. the The point is that teachers should be planning, and right. um, but there, there there's a lot in that that lesson plan um, that doesn't get taught. And that, that's that's my impression. And uh, well, let's let's start with yours, you know, the lesson plans that you make, because you've had many principles over the years and many requirements. Um, it probably has has changed, but I bet you still have to make them now. Um, all right. So there's there's a couple of things here about about lesson plans. First of all, yes, like masks, they've always been encouraged. Um, but I think a lot of teachers also see it as something much like you described. This is in essence, busy work. And it's rather unfortunate because as you say, uh, lesson planning makes sense for many different reasons. But when, when administrators demand it or require it, uh, we can't help but feel that there's a pile somewhere in the principal's office or the vice principal's office, whoever's collecting these things. And that's where they stay from the moment they're collected to the moment they're thrown away at the end of the year. And so I think, I mean, sometimes teachers confuse um, the effects of them being required with their utility. And if they're not required to do it, 
then they're less likely to do it. Now, if you're a good teacher, you're constantly scoping out stuff. And my first mentor, my, none of my principals, none of my administrators ever required that we did that we do uh, lesson plans. But my first mentor said, always stay two weeks planned ahead. And the idea was, is that you don't go too far because Lord knows something's going to, is going to scuttle any far reaching plans uh, that you make, but you don't want to go too far ahead, but you also want to be far enough ahead where you can kind of see where this ship is going in the short term. And just from a point of view of being able to keep in mind, every time a kid asks a question, every time someone is posing something, you have kind of the larger context in which all this stuff is going to happen. And then you can kind of answer the questions based off of that. So it provides the lesson plan provides a direction, but it also provides a context about what you're doing. But as far as like administrators and what have you, no one's ever required it. Now, the only time I've seen it done is more as a punitive measure. So if someone has a teacher that isn't doing so great, then they might say as part of their growth plan or something along those lines that they have to do lesson plans. And again, that doesn't do lesson plans any favors, not unlike making people do it, making it a punitive measure, again, kind of cheapens what the purpose of lesson plans are in the first place. So if you want to punish a teacher or encourage them to, to leave, which is often what a growth plan is, <laughs> uh, you require them to, to mentic- meticulously produce these lesson plans. And um, wow, it's a, it's a, I, I remember myself, I, you know, I'm a teacher pleaser. So if somebody says about lesson plans at you know, eight o'clock on Monday morning, I'll definitely send them. And, but I, I would devise a template uh, mm-hmm. as if I actually taught in a template. You know, I should have the objective, the opening activity, um, some content, some transitions, some closure. All those buzzwords were in there. And then each day looked pretty much like the day before, but uh, you change a few words in there, change the Monday to Tuesday and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then you'd submit them each week and they look so much alike that you really could have just um, photocopied one and say, here it is. I do these things every day. You're right. Well, and it makes you, makes you wonder, is there a way, first of all, do you think that it is helpful in any sense to mandate that teachers do lesson plans i think that they should create i guess what, what you would call a, a scope and sequence so here here are the things that i'm going to treat in class and mm-hmm. not necessarily cover like you like covering material but but these are the the, the topics that we're, that we're going to get into um but but from an administrative standpoint i'd i'd rather not look at the lesson plans uh, unless it's maybe a new teacher who who, who needs help with that but i think in in college and in education school they they do learn how to do that and so it's it's not like it's it's brand new to them and i i I would bet that the new teachers are probably more serious about lesson planning than than the more mature teachers (laughs) the problem with the the problem with the model of lesson plans coming out of college is that it involves a bunch of things that well i mean if you ever seen, I'm sure you have. I mean, the the college model of a lesson plan that they make all their students do, 
And so, you know, I had that that teacher observer. So she asked me about lesson plans. I said, well, if you're asking me if I do lesson plans, I say, yes, you know, I, because I'm sitting here at the beginning of each week and kind of mapping out the next two weeks, you know, in reality, you're doing an extra week every Monday, you know, to kind of stay two weeks ahead of time, but it's nothing of the formalized nature that colleges demand. And, you know, because I've been doing this for a while now, that's good or bad. You know, if you're doing it for a while and then you come down to a streamlined version of like two lines, then you're not doing a lot of thinking. But if you are doing this for a while and you have a general sense of what it is that you want to do and you just need to kind of put something on paper to kind of shape your direction, like I said, your direction, your context, you know, in college, they're telling these kids to find the teaks, you know, the exact teaks, 12.4, you know, or something along those lines. And I'm not sure that's terribly helpful. Um, the scope and sequence thing, I mean, all that stuff's online. You know, someone says, oh, you want a scope and sequence? Here you go. You know, you sit there and just, you know, <laughs> you, you find the scope and sequence for your course and you send it in. Um, certainly not arduous for the teacher to do. Also, you could question whether it's productive or it's useful. You you could argue that the lesson plan is is inhibiting to to some extent. Um, I can recall in you know teaching German. I have a lot of flexibility. You know, yes. you know. So, and and if anybody comes into my room, they don't understand what's going on anyway. So there's a little bit of comfort with right. that. Um, but still, the the ability to to change as you want to, and, and you know, listen to your students and decide okay, um, we need to spend more time on this or so forth. But I've turned in lesson plans and by about Monday afternoon, that weekly lesson plan is shot. Right. You know, and I think that that's a, an example of, of, of good teaching to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, so when you say it's shot, what is it that tends to scuttle a good teacher's lovingly crafted lesson plan? Well, you, you really just don't know how far you're going to get into a, a topic. Um, so, so if you plan it out so much, it, it bleeds over to the next day, or you're usually you don't cover as much as you think you will. And, and, and you need to slow down a little bit. I mean, you could cover material and, and your students are, are left behind, but you're moving forward, you know, right. you're hitting those, those things. So I've, um, at, at one point I, I, I did something a, a little bit silly and every once in a while I do that. Um, but I, I had this idea that that I would react to my students totally. And it was during, you know, one of my <laughs> times before I left teaching. <laughs> so it could have been the sign of a, a breakdown or something. But uh, Are you saying you're showing up in costume as George Washington? <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> but I, I thought, you know, why don't I give my students uh, some paper to take notes? Because we're going we're gonna to start. Uh, class with a question and I don't know what the question is it's kind of like these podcasts we don't know where <laughs> we're going to start um, and, and so I, I told them to get out a you know, sheet of paper and, and, and take notes and, and I'll take notes on the board and and so it was all speaking German I asked a question and the conversation would start every once in a while I'd write something up there and they'd write it down and it was just this seamless conversation for about 40 minutes and I thought that was pretty good I think right. I think we we learned a little German there, and so <laughs> so here's where the idea kind of formulated. Um, we had a, a copy room where I think a volunteer would 
run copies. So all you would do is put the the master down there uh, with how many copies you wanted, and then uh, in a couple of days, all these copies would appear. You'd take them upstairs, and uh, Bob's your uncle, as you say. Exactly. Um, so I, I'm. At one point, it was during this this kind of rough time, I, I brought in a single blank piece of, of, of paper, a piece of typing paper, and I put it in there, and I said, 500 copies. There's nothing on it. <laughs> <laughs> Bourgeois. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think they made the copies, meaning they just gave me more paper. But if they would have shown, showed just that. handed to, you a ream. I mean. Yeah, basically by the ream. But I, I probably should have been fired right there <laughs> looking back. But I thought it was a good idea, idea at the time. We'll just keep starting with the question. Here's it's no concept paper. of the instrument. So Yeah. So that, that's kind of taking a lesson plan to the to the other level and to silliness. But um, well, I think... One of the things that I think about with regards to lesson plans ties into another pet peeve we have, especially in regards to teaks. So teaks in the state of Texas are a series of um, bullet-pointed objectives that teachers are supposed to cover in the course of a year in a given in a given course. You know what they what they mean. What does teaks stand for? Uh, Texas educational, something or another. <laughs> you got like the Texas right. <laughs> it's it's called Texas essential knowledge and skills. There you go. There you go. But, but there, that was my second guess. Okay, I, but <laughs> but it's a it's a we say it in the in the plural, but the s actually means skills. Right. So it's it's one of those ambiguous terms. Is it singular? Is it plural? Uh, but I, I, and my just apology. in general, and just in yeah. general, the term is innocuous. I mean, it, yeah. you know, the idea of Texas is so the state, in a kind of an anthropomorphic sort of way, has essential <laughs> skills and knowledge, and and then, but I kind of equate it to the idea of rubrics. Ooh, yeah, and so <laughs> it's too early to say the word rubric. Uh, that'll get us both to stand up. Too early, and on a Sunday, no less. We should yes. be uh, we should be crossing ourselves and asking for forgiveness <laughs> for mentioning, yeah. dearly beloved. But um, but I mean, the idea that 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 a rubric constricts the student and any kind of learning objectives passed down from on high. In this case, from Austin is um is a restrictive of the teacher now you could say that there are some teachers that need structure and they need restrictions like people who hand in blank papers and say oh. 500 copies please but it was that was uh, legendary uh, <laughs> i told about two people now more maybe about three or four more people know about it <laughs> the tens of listeners that we have will spread yes. the word but uh, they still talk about it at that school today do you remember that time that <laughs> wacky German teacher that we had. Yes. But I mean, I, I find that sometimes, well, I mean, all this stuff, I mean, anytime the Texas school board in Austin gets together and decides, here's what we should teach, automatically the conversation gets silly. Who are they? You know, but I mean, the idea <laughs> is, is that <laughs> who the hell are they? What do they know? You know, and usually it's political driven. In Texas, it's a more of a conservative bent, and somewhere else, it's a liberal bent. It's all it's all problematic, though, because what it's designed to do is to kind of constrict and construct U.S. history. In my case, 
which is the tested subject, not unlike the freewheeling wacky days in German class. Oh, no, no, no. We have tests there, too. There's, yes. uh, well, I, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> or tech. Uh, uh, Something. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in U.S. history, you know, oh, man, U.S. history just drives people batty. You know, they don't know it, but it doesn't keep them from pontificating on it. And so they're going to they're going to ask teachers not ask. They demand that teachers go in different directions. <laughs> but all this does is it limits the exploration and it limits the context in which all these demands are being placed upon. You know, so if they say you have to teach this person. Well, why? You know. Or, you know, or even why not, but just the idea that someone says you have to teach this person. Okay, who do we not have to teach? And can you make an argument for why we don't have to teach that particular person? It's an endless cycle of ridiculousness as far as the conversation goes. And it does make you frustrated. And it, it, what it does, and we've talked about this before, all these essential skills and knowledge and what have you, and all these kind of rubric type of things, what it does is it tightens the curriculum to a few salient, though discombobulated, disconnected points. And basically what the kids are learning, it feels like sometimes. And again, this all depends on the teacher because, you know, for my, in my example, I'm surrounded by a lot of great teachers and they know well more, way more than what TEKS demands that we know. But for other teachers, you see the comfort in sticking with the, as the play is written. And the kids get no concept of history beyond that. And so therefore it's very hard to develop an appreciation for a subject when you're looking at it through such a constrictive lens. So the lesson plan connects to that. I think we, we've, we've talked so much about testing, but the, you know, the, the teaks, mm. um, align with with the, the state test um, very closely um, but the the odd thing is that there are so many more teaks than test questions yes. so it's it's a little bit of roulette happening as well so you you're trying to cover i hate that word this this incredibly diverse you know and and as you said uh, almost unconnected set of uh, standards and statements and teaks mm-hmm. um, but the the test may may address you know a quarter of them or something. So you're kind of guessing, and in that lesson plan, if 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 you actually look at a form for a lesson plan for maybe for university students, in the very right hand corner, it said teak, and so you list the teak. So imagine a teacher who's serious about writing a lesson plan. They have their their screen open looking at all these teaks and saying teak 4.2 or whatever the hell it is <laughs> and writing in that square and and the time that it takes to find the teaks right. uh, to to read those individual statements you could actually be creating le- lessons real lessons um, i would argue that the lesson plan you turn in if you if you're asked to do it is a fake one it, right it's completely for show and and sometimes i would do that i would say okay here's my fake one it looks great but then on another piece of paper, handwritten, this is my real lesson plan. This is what I'm going to do today. Right. Yes, I, I think, like most things, what lesson plans do is it encourages kind of end run around, you know, especially if you're a good teacher. I mean, if you're a good teacher, the notion of lesson plans 
from you know demanded upon from on high is you know what the hell they want me to do <laughs> you know just sitting there you grumble as you kind of photocopy the same lesson plan just send it in you know i guess in german it would be funny if you just handed in all your lesson plans in german i thought about that i, I never did it that, that would have been really really smart I, I always smoked nothing but german as did my students when anyone walked in the room um, because they're fluent in german clearly yeah, they, they, they must be um <laughs> they, they have to be because of those five minutes or whatever um but the the test you know to me uh, as an administrator if i wanted to require anything from teachers it's, it is to submit you know some tests not necessarily every test but the test tells you you know as much about it than you know four weeks of lesson plans because you know what they really think is important so right. maybe take a backwards work and the beauty of that is that you know most teachers have already made their test you know meaning you have to make it to deliver it so it's right just as easy to um, send it to to that vice principal who's observing you once in a while and say hey right. look at what we're doing um, but is it a, a gotcha thing, you know, or or is there is there a requirement from above, meaning above the principal saying, we need our teachers to submit lesson plans, and then teach the, so the principal says, okay, I don't believe in this, but we're gonna um, require them, wink, wink, to the yes. faculty. Well, I mean, I I think anybody who says we need to re we we need to require lesson plans, there's this is an example of someone doing something just because they can, you know, because that same Yahoo that's demanding lesson plans isn't reading them. It's like you said, they're they're in a filing cabinet somewhere or they're in some sort of Google Doc Drive or to use the modern parlance, you know, but, um, you know, they, and it, that's where it stays. Your principal on an average daily basis has enough time to look at one, much less a hundred lesson plans put <laughs> forth by a teacher. Hell no. They got they got stuff to do out the wazoo. I mean, they got meetings and they got conferences and they got budgetary. You know, they, they, their head is swimming with the amount of stuff that they have to do. So anytime someone says we need to demand lesson plans, um, well, that's just like you said, it's, it's just making your teachers jump through hoops because you think that's what you should be able to do. Now, so all the talk thus far has been rather negative about lesson plans, but they that's do serve do. a fun. That's yeah. what we do here. Yes. <laughs> we tear things down, <laughs> but we don't build them up. But yep. here we're going to build them up. Okay. For the teacher and for the teacher only, what would you say are the required or essential elements of a good lesson plan? Okay. If we have new, if we have young teachers out there listening, maybe. And I know we, I know at least one young teacher we have listening. So we have we have young teachers out there listening. They're getting this rigmarole from the colleges, from the, the various schools of education. Setting aside what they're demanding, what would you advise a young teacher to include in the process of creating their own lesson plans? It's a, 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 a real question there, yeah. um, with with some teeth because. Um, there, I mean, the, the the problem is that every class, every lesson is a little bit different. But but now we're talking about the real lesson plan, the one that nobody sees, but that you actually use when you when you teach. Um, Correct. So, 
it, it's more than saying, okay, here's our, our bell ringer activity, which I hate. I hate that, that idea. You should just be able to conduct business. Um, you want to have some idea of, of what you're going to be doing and not doing during that hour. Um, and so, so in a way you have, have a, a, a goal, you know, that you'd like to, to reach, um, maybe a, a few different activities to, to get there. Um, but often there are, you know, tasks that you, that are housekeeping tasks that you need to remind yourself, okay, we need to talk about this and this, um, you have to have your materials together, but you know that that's part of preparation anyway. So it doesn't; it's kind of redundant. You've already have your stack of sheets right. here, whatever you're going to do. You don't need to say, "I need these stack of sheets." Um, but but it's a hard one. It's it's a hard one be, because you know classes are, are different. But I mean, what what do you do? You know, because I'm, I'm lo- looking back, and, and a lot of that was was right up here in my head. You yeah. know, so I, I I knew exactly what how I wanted class to go. And right. a lot of it was dictated by the materials that I had pl- prepared because I don't, you know, just walk into a class. I mean, as much right. as I say I did. Um, so, so if you have your materials, it's kind of redundant. You're going to cover that just like you have a, a, a Google Slides or a presentation. Well, that's part of it is, is, is you're going to do that and have a discussion. Well, for me, I think the idea of the question, I think, is essential. And you may have more than one question depending upon, you know, if you have like an hour and a half class, I mean, you know, you might have two questions or three questions, but for me, what I try to do with the question is I also try to scope out and how many directions could this go, you know? And so as far as what you tie in, as far as what you build into the question, but then also what might a student bring into the question as a point of correlation, you know, and then the, there's a question and then there's a kind of a statement, you know, what you hope the student walks out with as far as knowledge, as far as ideas, as far as something to think about or chew on or what have you. And this is not easy. Not, not so much it's not easy to craft it or it's not, it's not easy to create it. What's hard is having something that makes the impression on the student to, so that they walk out of the class talking about it. Now, that's a very idealized notion of what a classroom might be. And to suggest that kids are going, you know what? I, just, I wasn't anticipating where he was going with that question. I'm just, I'm just, first of all, guy's brilliant. First of all, you can imagine these kind it's of conversations. It's never been said. Never. <laughs> but you can just imagine kids at a lunch table going, first of all, props to Mr. Muller. I mean, that's some, that's some pretty savvy questioning you just had there. But look. Why don't we go back to this idea? Are we really possessing a free will? You know, and then, you know, just the idea that kids are doing that. There are some that do that and God bless them. And they, and and they sustain you when they talk about, you know, I had two students who on summer vacation a couple of years ago, they had gone to Paris one one of the kids had like a rich uncle and he had a house in Paris or whatever. And they invited them to go there and stay and hang out and do their thing. And we got to talking about some, I can't remember the painting now, but we got to talking about some painting in connection to an historical piece of work or historical um, uh, land yap or what have you that, that they apparently it stuck with them. And so they're in the Louvre and they take this picture of themselves uh, in front of this painting 
And they send me this email with a picture saying, Mr. Miller, we were thinking about that lesson where you talked about this, you know, <laughs> I was like, holy crap, you know, and this is like, you couldn't help but cavell a little bit, you know, telling all those teachers, <laughs> look at this, look at my kids are in the loo for God's sakes, you know? And so it does happen. And it's remarkable when it does. And, and I, I think teachers are too quick to think that a lesson was not effective because like I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, history is a slow burn, you know, and it, it kind of comes back onto the student in rather unexpected ways. Like when you're in Paris in the Louvre, <laughs> you see a painting, you know, I had another kid that was doing a mission work or something like that in St. Louis because Lord knows St. Louis needs help. And she was, she was at, she was at some graveyard. She came across the, the graveyard of Dred Scott's wife's grave, you know, and Dred Scott was a very important uh, court case dealing with the status of slaves in 1856, 57. And, and she had come across this grave and she felt the need to take this picture of it for me with, you know, and send it to her and tell her, you know, you know, that she told some of her friends, the essence of the Dred Scott case. And you're just sitting there going, my God, I could rule the world if I could just get up, you know, 50 of these kids, you know, <laughs> but it just, it makes you, it makes you understand that lesson plans and the effectiveness of lesson plans. First of all, it has to be pointed. Second of all, it has to be with the idea that you, that you will leave those kids with something to think about later. And then every once in a blue moon, you know, I've been teaching 25 years. I only gave you two examples. Yeah, <laughs> but I was but, waiting for the third one. <laughs> but I mean, but it's the idea that this does have the this does have the uh, potential of sticking with the student if you craft your lesson correctly, and in doing so, if you direct your efforts uh, intentionally enough, you do have the ability to make this happen. Well, a lot of classes are are based upon a, a text, you know, that has an outline, and 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 so it's it's tempting to just follow that, and that kind of is your lesson plan in a way and your curriculum and your test and everything is right there in one little little container um classes like like we teach are are cumulative uh, um, i mean my task is teach them german and it's right. you know it's not like you know i mean the the you, you can't just teach it and then everybody gets it and okay i understand that and move on but it but it it builds so you have there's a lot of routines you know i think in, in every every class and you make sure that you keep to those and, and then maybe um, something new and exciting. But um, overall, um, you know, I, I can't say that anything that I put on that scribbled list wasn't in my head already. You know, right. and that's maybe the, the whole point of this is, is mm -hmm. that we, if you're a good teacher, you know, you know what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I hate the idea of writing objectives on the board. Do you, do you write objectives on the board? I do not. Well, a lot of um, principles require yes. that. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, what does that mean when you see those, those four little bullet points you know, on the wall? It, it you know, from a student point of view, that's all you have to know from today's, that's right. <laughs> today's exercise. Yeah. So we're covering this as it were. And the teacher, uh, it's just a formulaic kind of a uh, crutch, you know, that sometimes a teacher will use to stay within the lines as it were. Uh, but but it also does not allow for kind of more of the, you know, by nature, creativity, both in the classroom and in lesson planning, uh, cannot be charted, you know. And so, 
You know, you can sit there and say, those are my objectives. If you say those are my objectives and that's by God, that's what we're going to do. It cuts out any creativity in the process. It create it cuts out any response you have to the student or the student to you. It just, it prevents any kind of um, uh, exploration, which might give a kind of a richer understanding of the content beyond what those objectives are, you know? And so, um, and it's just and it's formulaic. I mean, I, you know, it's it's like watching it's like it's like watching a TV series where you know how it's going to end at the end of each. You know, you lose interest. Um, at least that's how I see it. I mean, how do you view the objectives on the board? You said you didn't like them. Well, I don't like a lot of things, but particularly yes. when they write out a full sentence. You know, students will be able to yes this as if you're teaching to the you know, to somebody who walks in or to yourself, or yes. and of course it's the students. We, we know that. Um, and, and the students will not be able to do that at the end. I mean, it's, it's going to take, you know, usually most things that are of any value take, take some time and, right. and it's like, okay, we got it. We, we, we can check that off. We've, we've met. And then you, you often those don't get erased for <laughs> weeks or something. If I wrote it up there once, it's just going to stay there, you know, right. It's, right. But, it, but it's for show. And I guess that's something that, always has bugged me that that certain things that teachers have to do are are for show they're pretend and then there's mm-hmm. then there's the the real thing I, I like the end of a school year and i'm sure they don't do this anymore because everything is digital but we did have to turn it off in that last test for a very good reason a student's right. absent and they need to come right. back in so so i liked that and it, it made me think that's actually really helpful on a different level as well mm-hmm. if only someone would read that test uh, the other thing I kind of liked is that they would, you would turn in your grade book and there was a finality to that. It was maybe wrapped with a rubber band and, and they put them on the shelf, like probably never to be seen again, but it's a record in case there's a controversy. You know, now we have that digital, but I liked that you turn it because it was like, that's it. Years over. I turned in my grade book. Now I can go do what I want. You had to turn in the grade book? Um, yeah, I, I I can remember doing that. That was um, at a rather large district, and so I was there for about six years. And at, at the end, I mean, the end of the school year was really really hard for because you know, closing it out, you know, in, in a in a single day, I found challenging. And we can talk about that again another right. time. But the the turning of the grade book was was final, and so in, in a way, that's the summation of all these little lesson plans and tests because it's right there. This is what I really did. And, and right. you can look at it if you want to and it has attendance and grades and mm-hmm. whatever else, but, it, but there's a finality to it. I never turned in grade books. I can I have all my grade books. Um, hold on. You, I do. You have a grade book, a real grade book for every, so you have 25 of them. Uh, it may be 23, 24, 23, but yes, I have a great book for every year I've taught. Have you ever opened one up and looked at one? Uh, when I have had a student, uh, who has reached out to me for one thing or another, usually just to remind myself who the kid was sometimes, but also to, um, to remind myself of what they did in the class. I will sometimes open the great book and see find the kid, find the class, kind of take a look at just what they did from, kind of from a number standpoint, which is horribly misleading. But uh, sometimes what that'll do is it'll jog my memory as to the individual themselves, you know? Um, and i tell you where I got this from. So my U.S. history teacher in 
uh, high school in Maryland was a guy by the name of Mr. Richardson. I hope he's not dead. He's a nice guy, and he, but he's getting up. He's got to be getting up there by now. And he just had a kind of a reverent, kind of sarcastic, acerbic kind of wit. And um, my favorite joke: he had, we had some girl that was like in her sophomore year. She she wore like typically preppy kind of clothes, like a white blouse and a skirt or pants or whatever the case may be. And then like the next day, next year, as a junior, she was dressed all in black. <laughs> black and black hair. <laughs> I remember. I remember the, the teacher said it's, it's quite an ensemble you have there. It's, everything <laughs> kind of coordinates, you know. And it was designed to be kind of an offhanded <laughs> remark, but it stuck with me. But the thing that also stuck with me is that after I graduated college, I sent him a, a letter. That's when you did letters back in those days. And I sent him a letter saying how much he had inspired me and how much he had kind of uh, uh, pointed me in the direction of being a history teacher. And um, sorry, uh, hang on a second. Um, I'm so sorry. You okay? Um, maybe we can take this out. I'm so sorry. You all right? Okay. Um, so um, my daughter came in with coffee and I didn't notice it. And I was just trying to <laughs> gently kind of redirect her. And then I hit the coffee cup. And so you spilled coffee on your daughter. No, I, well, I, I hope I didn't, but I, I think it mostly went on my hand and on the floor. So, so you said our, not the, not your daughter, who could have sued you technically. <laughs> she could have. She might still. I don't know. It's early yet. Well, but, we'll, we'll leave this in. That's pretty funny yeah. stuff. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I sent him a letter and I said, you know, you're the reason why I became a teacher, and um, um, and so he wrote back. He said, well, first of all. I said, he said, you know, you were never a really great student. I'm surprised you chose history as a profession. <laughs> and he came and he, 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 uh, he quoted me my grades uh, for that year that I had him. I'm like, how the hell does he know who remembers some average <laughs> run of the mill kid from 30 years ago? Um, but he, um, but he kept all of his grade books and I asked him, I said, why you know, cause the, the culmination of the letter was that we ended up meeting for a beer somewhere and we just got talking about sh talking shop. And I asked him, I said, why do you keep all your grade books? He goes, you never know. He said, I just like the idea of being able to look back on those if I need to and find Ross Miller who did, you know, C's <laughs> or B's or what have you. And um, that's probably, that's being probably kind. too generous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um but it always kind of stuck with me. It's just kind of a, a means by which to, well, maybe it's not that strange from a historian to preserve the past. And, and so to be able to have a record of that and the record of that grade book is not just a record of what the kid did, but it's a record of what you've done. And um, to that end, there's value in that. And so I, yes, I have a grade book for my entire career. Well, it, it is symbolic, and and you you start the year with nothing in it, and, and you fill it up. Um, all of those assignments that you see students turned in and got graded on, and so forth, those are valuable, you know, yes. potentially because you remember that could get ideas. I don't, I don't think that people hold on to their lesson plans for years. Right. You know, I just, I just, I, I would be stunned if, mm. if anyone kept one of their lesson plans beyond a week. And maybe, maybe that tells us how valuable they are. You know, they're not holding on to those. They, right. they go to the brick grade book or the filing cabinet, but, but probably not that one thing that we've spent 45 minutes talking about. Well, I would, I would suggest too, that, you know, going back to lesson plan may not always be helpful 
unless there's been some sort of evaluative process at the end of the day that you then wrote an addendum in your lesson notes, this sucked or this was great <laughs> or, you know, unless you have some sort of like additional commentary, um, it may not be that helpful. And may, maybe the only thing it does is it convinces you to do the exact same thing all over again with no context of how it happened and how it worked the last time. So, Well, it, it, none of this inspires me to go back to teaching because I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of things <laughs> and a lot of the things we touched on today were, were kind of unpleasant, except for your, your, your story about the, the students in, in Paris. I like that. <laughs> God bless them. So we can, we can end on a a positive note and, and I, you know, I probably confused the the new teachers because I didn't give a very good answer on what to put in a lesson because, you know, you know, again, to me, it was, it didn't really apply, you know, and and that's the thing, you know, lesson planning doesn't apply to certain subjects. But I think the notion of the question, I mean, the Dalai Lama once said that if you wake up in the morning and you can't find your mantra, you might as well just stay in bed. And, and you could easily equate that to the question, what, why are you getting up? What are you doing? What is your function today? What it is that you want to achieve today? And so I think the question that you bring up is an essential part, not just in lesson planning, but really, Steve, in life. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, being, I, <laughs> I'm trying to be silly here, but at the same time, I think it is, I think it is an essential quality to everything that we do. What is the question behind it? So that's a better thing than, than putting these five obje- objectives with teaks on the board. Just write a mantra. I love it. Damn right. Yeah. So on a Sunday, you know less. So yeah. We're going to write a mantra. So well, I'm, I'm impressed that you woke up. I, something about this conversation got you pretty alert. I, and I'm, I'm not, well, that and the coffee spilled in my hand probably, <laughs> probably yeah. helped as well. But then you better go tend to your, your daughter now. That, yeah. She's probably got hurt feelings. She's probably. It's probably concerned that she did something wrong. Kind of like all, kind of like all those students over the years. (laughs) (laughs) She's almighty. All right, Herr Doctor Bourgeois, have a great day. You as well, Herr Miller.